Yo, welcome everyone to episode one of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this is my co-host Dylan from Galactic Battleground. Hey yo, what's up? Shout out to our sponsors Can Arcade, everything arcade, music, and cannabis. This week we are we have the pleasure of speaking with Anthony and Rob, the creators of Armed and Gelatinous. Thanks for joining us, guys. Hey yo. Hey, it's great to be here. Well, we're going to just dive right into this. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. I want to know a little bit about your background and how you guys got into designing indie games. How we got into indie games? Um, that's a good question. I think the whole indie uh, label with it comes with, you know, us doing it just, you know, without a publisher, without any sort of financier. So uh, it kind of just started uh, when Anthony and I released a language game back in 2014 that teaches uh, Japanese and like 15 other languages called Influent. And uh, we started working together then, but we'd actually met in college like five years before that. Yep, Isn't that right? That was at the Art Institute in San Francisco downtown. Okay. Yeah, so we were at school together uh, way back in the day. We used to play like Command and Conquer on the Wi-Fi, <laughs> on the the local the LAN, <laughs> it, was, it was good times. Uh, yeah, we really like got along, um, and then circled back years later after I'd made this language learning game when I was living in Japan, and that came out, uh, made a bunch of money, and so we were able to kind of work on a game together at that point, and that's the beginning of where Armed and Gelatinous started. Well, also the original idea was, hey, yeah, we'll just put out a game in like six months and then we'll make some money and then we'll like reinvest it into our first game. Um, and, you yeah. know, five years yeah. later, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird how that just uh, works out. <laughs> well, I mean, like, what was the inspiration towards Armed Gelatinous? Like, was it just like, oh, like, let's have a blob here and have another blob here shoot? Or like, what was the main game mechanics concept of it? That'd be Australia, actually. Yeah, it's a fascinating sort of story about how the game started. So basically, I was involved in a game jam. Uh, I was one of 16 members on this project in Australia. Uh, I flew down from Japan with two of my friends at the time and met with three other friends in Australia. And we competed in a game jam that was at the University of Queensland. And that's in uh, Brisbane, Australia. Queensland. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it started there. And the way the game jam worked, it was a 48-hour event. There was like 30 teams and they gave us three words, growth, arms, and sticky. And essentially, uh, we came up with this idea. Uh, Woodley on the team had this idea to do this like growth sort of Katamari style uh, game where you collect arms, weapons, and they stick to you and you get bigger with every weapon you get. So we went with that idea and sometime during that 48-hour game jam, I came up with the name Armed and Gelatinous. And we produced this uh, very basic, rudimentary prototype of what Armed and Gelatinous was. And uh, it actually won. It, it got first place in our category. And it was super, super exciting. And unfortunately, like there was a bit of a falling out with the team. Uh, we didn't really all see eye to eye. And... Um, 
yeah, everybody else didn't want anything to do with it. They went back to their day jobs and I was gotcha. like, oh, okay, well, this is an amazing game and I would like to develop it further. So well, from since there, then we, we took it to Australia, to PAX um, Australia, and we went to Gamescom in Germany and we brought the two minute like game jam demo with us, um, had a secondary booth at both conventions um, and set this up just to see what engage what the interest would be like do people care about this game is it going to be fun um and we ended up having to make like a queue system because there was like a massive line at each each time um yeah it got a lot of love that's awesome that's that's you know that's really good to hear you know we immediately got approached by publishers and and some other big people um i remember that yeah we thought there would be some legs to this you know like uh, immediately we had a guy from sony and a guy from alienware that were like yeah, when, when yeah, Alienware. Yeah, Alienware wanted us to as an exclusive game for the wow. alpha before the alpha yeah. got announced. That's crazy. Uh, and yeah. they were essentially like, "When is this coming out? Uh, here's my card. Like, keep in touch." And we were like, "Wow, okay, cool. This obviously has something to it." And I knew that at the time. That's why I brought it there and put it up. Like, I knew it was a good game, but I didn't expect that sort of response. And it was just sort of this very telling, like, "Okay, this this definitely needs to be developed." And yeah, I reached out to the rest of the team again and tried to get everybody excited and they were still just like, nah, like we're busy. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start over. And I threw out everything and rebuilt the game from scratch to kind of make it our own. Um, So, and I mean, that was kind of a good thing because the game jam code itself was like rushed and terrible and yeah, it wasn't wasn't my my code either. And I didn't want to deal with a code base that was, you know, at all. Um, developed by another person so yeah it was completely rebuilt um and yeah there was as, some, let's say there was some jank in there <laughs> yeah like, and, and as seeing, expected yeah. and seeing as I, I felt you know entitled to the name because i came up with it that we kept the name uh and so that's where it started and yeah like five years later it is where it is now uh, okay, with... so, so now we're talking it's it's in an arcade cabinet it's across the country and all this what what did you guys each individually play um by means of the creation of the game like who did the coding who did the art who did this and that in the game yeah so uh the art was actually initially developed by brandon jones which was one of our previous members of the company uh, he actually took a full-time job in another company um, about three, four years ago. Um, but during like the year, year and a half, two years, I forget how long he was with us, uh, he was able to do most of the art now. But Anthony, being sort of the art director, has cleaned it up a lot, like a lot, to where it is now. So I, I think it's kind of a joint effort between Brandon and Anthony. Uh, but Brandon was the initial like concept designer. Yeah, Brandon was a real artist, and um, I'm more like an Adventure Time, you know, like mathematical. So I make everything very uh, even and 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 uh, pattern recognizable and 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 evenly spaced and perfect and organized um, too. Because we keep having to open up these assets and work oh with God. them for marketing purposes and such, and like creating posters and all sorts of like things you know ui elements and so anthony's basically gone into these uh psds and completely reworked them and renamed everything to be very organized um so there's a lot of work there too that 
so it's a very joint effort. Not to mention the arcade specifically, Anthony did the entire uh, side art control panel and marquee from scratch himself. Which is Which absolutely is awesome. beautiful. Yeah. I like it a lot. Shout out. Thank woo, you. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 yeah, I mean, I've, I've taken over a lot of the art, you know, duties at this point. Um, but it's, yeah, the majority of it's been, you know, Rob doing all the programming. Um, and then I do a lot of the design or art aspect of it. Um, and then apart from that, we've also had a number of um, other people touch this game as part as like, you know, the sound uh, design and also the music creation as well. So we've worked with a number of other artists or um, contributors. Okay. okay. Let's, uh, let's get some quick recognition for you guys on social media here. Where can everybody find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, without the and, just armed gelatinous. This is character limits and such. So we have at armed gelatinous on Twitter and Instagram. And then we also do our company accounts at three underscore flip, spelled out T-H-R-E-E. Those are our main hubs on Instagram and Twitter. But primarily, I would shout out our Discord, actually. Yeah, our Discord is really the core community, and that's where we hang out all the time, and we put out all of our updates there and uh, we have integration with the game itself too. And we're also doing a closed beta. So basically anybody who joins the discard can ask for a key and we're like, yeah, here you go. And future uh, leaderboards will be housed there as well. Yeah. So okay. that's uh, discord.gg slash blobs online. And yes, we have a vanity URL. I don't know how we got so lucky, but we have one. Well, there you go. If you want to actually talk to the developers of the game, you just go on over to their discord. They're in there. Uh, they can answer questions for you, and you can get a beta key. Uh, the next question I had for you guys um, is, as being a member of Galactic Battleground with Dylan here, the game has taken us all over the country. You guys already talked about um, Australia and Germany. Where are some other cool places that you guys have gone with the game? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Brisbane was the game jam, but like we went to PAX Australia in Melbourne two years Twice. running. 2014 wow. and 2015 and we put out some really funny videos on our youtube channel actually of, <laughs> of those uh but yeah like australia and melbourne was like an incredible journey uh the germany trip to gamescom was amazing yeah um, gamescom is i've never experienced anything like gamescom um but God, then you know so we, we we also lived in california so we you know we did a lot of local san francisco events there um as well as i think every single pax uh, minus PAX West, we've gone to PAX West, but we haven't exhibited at PAX West. Um, but we've exhibited every PAX event in the country. Um, Mag West, we've done that twice now as well yeah. um, in the Bay Area. Yeah, Mag West. Uh, I mean, Mag Fest is the big one. Mag West was a new thing, and it was kind of cool because of how small it was uh, to be able to like see everything. But really amazing event. They have an arcade that they set up if you guys aren't familiar with it, but it's really something to check out because it goes 24 hours. Like there's no end to it. You can stay up all night and enjoy it. <laughs> like, that's awesome. You can basically just go on arcades. Yeah. yeah and but that, it's, but that's it's not just of... an arcade. It's a music event. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Speak. Well, I was going to say that, that kind of planted a lot of the seeds for us as well. Like you brought up, like we go to all these events around the country and like mag West, especially, um, and then you know, also MAGFest, um, they have all these arcades and we'd be like stuck in this one room with all these indie devs, which is awesome in its own way. But we'd be like, well, why, 
why can't we have an arcade machine? Like, it does all the work for you. Like, you just set it up. People just have no expectation to, like, hear instructions. They just want to play it. And that kind of planted the seeds of, like, we should make an arcade. Ooh. Yeah, and we ended up talking to somebody there. And then, like, uh, a back... Nugget. Yeah, this guy named Nugget in the back room who <laughs> runs the arcade, or ran the arcade. I don't know if he's still with the Mag West people, but at the time, in the first Mag West, he was running the arcade there. And we were like moving our belongings from room to room in like a back hallway. And we saw this kid sitting on the ground with like a laptop. And we just like started asking him questions about these arcade parts that were like strewn about the floor. And he was like fiddling with them. And yeah, I was kind of like, you seem to know what you're doing. Like we would like to build an arcade machine or something. I don't know what the conversation was around, but we basically asked him about it. And he pointed us to, a bunch of websites on how to get started building your own arcade cabinets. Uh, one of them was classicarcadecabinets.com, as well as like a few parts places like Twisted Quarter, I think he mentioned. So he kind of inspired us to look into it. And we took a lot of notes and uh, kept in touch with him. And that was sort of the beginning, I think. It was like the first time it popped into my head that like we could do this. That's Did awesome. you have any recollection of like past arcade games, like the new ones or like arcade games from the modern wave, but prior to this event or no? Uh, Killer Queen. Yeah, we, Killer we've, Queen. We've had a we've had a history of them. Uh, was it during GDC? There uh, were there when we were there, as well as um, I know. Like, wasn't it Bit Summit in Tokyo? You were um, you knew them or something like that? Yep, yeah, I'm I. First came across Nick in in Kyoto, I think, at Bit Summit, <clears throat> and I want to say it was the third Bit Summit, and he had flown out to show off Killer Queen, but they didn't bring a cabinet. What they had was like a really janky PC build with uh, ten NES controllers, like USB controllers, plugged into it, and it was kind of the same setup that they had done at the initial California Extreme if I'm not mistaken. And so he was having trouble because he was the only representative from Bumblebear in Japan and he didn't speak Japanese. So I had played the game previously. The first time I'd ever played it was in Portland. Uh, and it's actually interesting because Armin Gelatinous was ported to an arcade cabinet on that trip to Portland. Uh, I went up for my birthday and uh, I'm, I'm friends with uh, the guys behind Dust Force. Uh, we're, they're, they're good friends of ours. And they were actually, two of them were on the uh, original Arm and Gelatinous Game Jam team. Uh, so I went to Portland to hang out with them. And the Portland Indie Squad, the Pig Squad, Indie Game Squad, that's it. Uh, a few of them were developing this thing called the Tinderbox. And the Tinderbox was this idea that it was an indie arcade cabinet that could be at an arcade and it would have multiple indie games on it and it would have this interface and it was going to be free to play and they'd swap out the games. It would be like a Neo Geo. <clears throat> or or even like what Polycade kind of turned into in a way. Right, right. That's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. It was yeah. Polycade. And so this was a long time ago though. And they had developed a prototype and they had machined it and they had the the second iteration of it, they were wiring up the control panel while I was hanging out at their house. 
and they were getting their games to work on it that day. And I was like, well, I have a four player game and I have my laptop. Like I could see about getting this. And they were like, yeah, here's the control schemes. I was like, yeah, sweet. And so I hopped into unity and started like messing with rewire to get the buttons to work. And sure enough, it was like, you know, an hour later and it was working. Yeah, and it like used keyboard commands or something too. It was yeah, very, it was it a was really basic. rudimentary implementation, but it worked. And so we had Arm and Gelatinous running on the tenor box like that day. And we they finished the button wiring, we plugged it in, and we actually played it on this arcade cabinet with four joysticks and sets of buttons, and it was super cool. And they were like, sweet, do you mind if we like put this on the tenor box and send it to South by Southwest? for this event. I'm like, hell yeah, like, go ahead. Dope. So Super yeah, cool. like a few weeks later, it ended up at South by Southwest and they sent me all these photos of people playing it. They said everyone loved it. it was yeah, we actually hit. had people after the like event find us later on. It was like, oh, I played this on some other arcade thing or something. And like they described the Tinderbox and I was like, oh my God, people played this. This is That's, that's, that's cool. what you want to see. That's what yeah. you want to see. So that was actually the first kind of arcade experience because that was even prior to magfest or magwest i believe oh yeah it just kind of like naturally happened from that trip to to portland and yeah like i went to ground control on that same trip like one of the coolest arcade bars in the country uh that's ground control with a k and they've got an amazing space up in up in portland if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the venue that was featured in um, Tron, the Disney movie, like the remake. Uh, but that I don't sounds, know. That sounds right. I, I believe that you are right about that, but I'm not I, sure. I don't know. I think they used it as like um, the scene or whatever. Anyway, uh, I went there and they have an amazing space that they've also expanded upon since then. It's like twice as big and super cool. They made it look just like the set of war games. It's amazing. Um, so anyway, went there saw this giant killer queen cabinet for the first time and the homies from hitbox team dust force guys were like you have to play this game so we went in and it was packed people were like waiting to play and so i got in line and like ended up playing and was just like this is so freaking cool like i can't believe this exists this is a 10 player competitive arcade machine like what this is insane (laughs) And I, you know, had that experience where somebody shows you the ropes, they teach you how to play, you learn the three different ways to win, all that stuff. And I like figured it out, right? So by the time I ended up in Kyoto at Bit Summit um, for like the next year or whatever, um, and I think this was actually the fourth or fifth Bit Summit now that I think about it. Yeah, I remember this trip now. So Nick was there from Bumblebear and he was showing off the game and he had trouble, you know, teaching people how to play because it's kind of complex you know if you're playing it for the first time which everybody there obviously was because it's never been in japan before so i hung out yeah it is and so i hung out with nick and was like hey man like i really love your game and i i played it in in portland and um yeah like i speak japanese I'll, i'll totally help you out and so i hung around his booth for like an hour teaching people how to play killer queen (laughs) it was super fun (laughs) it was super fun and so that was when i first met uh nick and was able to like really ask a lot of questions about killer queen and such um and so we kept in touch and then i saw them again at gdc like two years later and they were showing off their game on the show floor and so i was able to go right up to them and be like hey guys what's up so 
we really want armed and gelatinous like in an arcade cabinet and uh you guys are making this black emperor game i saw which hadn't been released yet and i was like so if you're publishing these other games why don't you publish armed and gelatinous like it's already been in an arcade cabinet we'd love to have your expertise you know to bring it to that platform essentially and they were like well why don't we like play it and so i was like cool so we set up a, an appointment with them for the next day they came over to the we work where i was set up because we had a we work office and they let you like set up in any we work so i had an office space or like a conference room and we came and we played the game and they had a lot of really productive feedback about it but ultimately they were like so yeah i mean we love it but we're not really looking to make other people's games right now. Like we're just kind of have our hands full. We're a small company, but we definitely recommend that you build your own cabinet and we will totally help you do that. And they just like gave us all these contacts and point us in the right direction in terms of like how to like CNC a cabinet or like, you know, where to buy parts. And they just kind of were like ushering us into the space because they really wanted to see more arcade games Right, right. I want to, I mean, personally, I want to shout out the Killer Queen guys over at Bumble Bear. Um, they put on an awesome tournament every year, the National Killer Queen Tournament. Uh, we were all hanging out at uh, Bumble Batch 4 last year in Tennessee, which was an awesome weekend. Uh, but those guys are super, super encouraging to all of us small indie developers. Um, I know we were out there with like Cosmetron, Death Ball, you guys, Switch and Shoot. Um, huge scene that's coming up out there. Um but uh, I just want to know a little bit more about um, the art side of it, Anthony, um, as well as like what advice would you guys both give to indie developers that are looking to move into the arcade space? Um, what, what's what, what? Can you expand on the art question first? So where really did you draw your inspiration from? I mean, I know we talked about uh, the game jam and everything, but were there any other games that you kind of looked at the art and were like, I really like that individual style and I want to move that direction when you said well, you were for, cleaning everything up? Well, for Armin Gelatinous on the, the overall scheme of the art, I, I've, I kind of got inherited this art style from, from our original artist. So I had right. to kind of stay within that uh, realm of it. So for me, like my challenges was kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm a technical designer, so it, it was. I had to kind of figure out how to mimic his art style and how to make these assets make sense. So I had, you know, a long time to kind of figure out uh, R and D just to understand his his art style and how to draw it. The 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 big difference is, you know, like I said before, jokingly, Brandon's a real artist. He he used a Wacom pen uh, to just draw everything, and I I'm not that type of artist at all i'm I'm a numbers guy so i i use a mouse and i use a lot of like technical filters and things like that to kind of guide me uh along this art so it took me it took me a while to kind of figure out how to achieve this type of art style um so it wasn't really necessarily an outside perspective um guiding me is more of like what i've already been like here's what you need to work with and how would you achieve this yeah, and I'll, I'll point out that that Spooky's been making or Anthony's been making a whole bunch of uh, new assets for the game uh, from scratch lately. Okay. So we've got a bunch of new levels that are being made specifically for the Couch Edition. That um, and some of them will be pushed to the Arcade Edition for sure. That um, 
yeah, he's been making from scratch. Okay. Okay. So, but, what kind of advice would you guys give indie devs that are looking to move from more of like the the Steam Xbox kind of marketplace uh, more into like an arcade cabinet? Because I know, um, even speaking about Switch and Shoot, that did originally start as a Steam game from a developer out in Europe, and uh, a guy here in Iowa was like, "We should put this in an arcade cabinet. It'd be awesome." Well, oh, interesting. From, from like an an art perspective as well, I, I would just like to add on to for the arcade side is pay heritage to the past don't right. don't ever forget this past like there's so many other developers and artists that have come through the ages that you need to pay attention to you need to understand their struggles so you're not going to repeat those same struggles um like i look constantly towards the past and get inspiration from um everyone else that is kind of holding up this arcade industry from the 70s 80s and 90s that um necessarily doesn't exist anymore there's this really cool book that I'd like to shout out. It's called Art Arcade. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's uh basically it has like a whole resource of like marquees from Death Race all the way to the '90s, and it it was actually like really helpful when it came to art. Um, I think I have that book. Yeah, I gave book. you that book. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a it was a big inspiration for Dylan when he was working on all the Galactic Battleground art. Yeah, I just studied and studied and researched. I mean, Google best resource ever so yeah i mean i mean I, I did a lot of the same things when i was developing the artwork for it um i have a giant dropbox just filled with like every marquee or control board or anything i could ever find from all these old arcade games where i would just you know fortunately i lived in los angeles so i would go to a local arcade bar find a machine and just take pictures of it you know and, and i use that for a lot of my inspiration yep yeah um, so I have a question. I know we're in some really weird times right now, but um, is there any advice you would give to like game developers that are in the arcade scene and like what they should do or like what do you think the arcade scene will be like this next year? Like, what do we do? Like, <laughs> do you that's guys a have tough one. I mean, it's tricky because it's so hard to say what's going to happen. Like, there's there's like two scenarios here. Like, one is everything goes back to normal. And it'll be fun. And in that case, there isn't really much that really needs to be done. The other is that things will never be the same for arcades. And this is like a really bad situation for physical spaces of play. So if that's the case, I mean, one of the things is that speaking of Killer Queen, they just launched this new Kickstarter to do like a single player version within the same engine of their game. Like something like that is a great idea because now they can bring that same sort of IP home, uh, which is essentially what is going on now. Like, like we've already started developing an online component for our game. And so we're pretty well poised to continue with that development um, and bring our game, our multiplayer local game to an online audience, which is exactly kind of the way things are trending should you know, arcades not really go back to where they were. Um, I don't expect things to stay like this, though, personally. Like, I feel like eventually, I don't know how long it'll take, but, like, we'll get back to going out to bars and drinking. So at that point, you know, everything will be groovy for the arcade scene again. Um, but in the meantime, it's it's a tough place to be in, like, especially if you are only in the arcade, like Killer Queen because nobody's yeah. playing your game. 
Um, and that's that's not great. That's not a good spot to be in. Uh, and it kind of feels unfair. But I also recognize that it's unfair for a lot of people, especially at the restaurant business. And like, there's a lot of businesses that cannot operate right now. So it's like, count yourselves amongst them kind of a thing. But it's yeah. also like, because you're a digital product, you can, you're at least capable of uh, pivoting into like the home platform some way or not. Right, right. So, I mean, we, we just did something very similar. We released our game, uh, single player and one versus one available on our browser. So you can go to galacticbattleground.com and play that. Um, it is a little wonky with controls. I mean, you have to get controllers and everything to play 1v1. Uh, but oh, we have cool. we have we have toyed with the idea of potentially releasing it to like a console or something like that. We just don't know uh, what what time is right. You know, like right now is a good time to get it out and have people try it. But we just really feel like it thrives in that that arcade setting. It does. No, it, we already know it does because we've seen it. Your cabinet is beautiful and uh, flashy and responsive and you know it's it's in that style it's like a retro stylized game and that that succeeds in the arcade space where in you know the home console or like the the pc gaming space people have a very high bar of expectations in terms of graphics and such like that so it's a little bit different in terms of like marketing it and such but yeah that doesn't mean that there isn't an audience for it it just means that like the standard find the right audience yeah, and right. it's and it's another challenge because you have to find that audience and you're now doing it in a digital landscape as opposed to like physically at an arcade bar which already is your audience. Right, right. Yeah, so having to like uh reach that audience is the hardest part and that's always been our struggle. It's always been a struggle for info oh, yeah. too is trying to get the marketing, trying to reach your user base, like just getting your name out, like the word out and having people discover you in a way that doesn't feel forced and gross too is super challenging. It's like the hardest part of the puzzle. It's almost more difficult than developing the game itself. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. Cause like, when you're in an arcade, it just happens naturally. Yeah. Like you see it, everybody's going to remember it, you know, Oh, I played it. They didn't like it, whatever. That's fine. But some, someone will like it, you know, and tell their friends and it's just easier to go somewhere than online where you're one in like, you know, a million other games, like, how are you get, how are you going to be found? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're just get back in the pile. Like that's, yep. that's all you are. And it's, it's, it's frustrating at times to, right. to deal with that, like, uh, landscape, you know, and it's, I always go back to, I call it the bag of gold theory. Um, you could give somebody a bag of gold and someone will always complain that it's too heavy or they don't like the bag. Like you, you just can't please everybody. And you yeah. just right. kind of have to, there's yeah. always an outlier that doesn't like it. Yeah, and you just kind of have to get over that and, and, you know, not deflect the negative feedback, but you have to, like, Embrace communicate it. with them and, and understand what they're actually upset about. Because it might not even be – it's not the what you're telling me. It's how you're telling me about it that I have to adjust this. You know, it's not I need to make this new game mode. It's more, oh, I need to kind of just change this game mode so it, it has a more inclusive feel or something like that. And, they you know, that might satisfy some of that negativity or negative feedback. Right. Totally agree with that. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I want to shout out our sponsors again, Can Arcade, everything arcade, music, and cannabis. Um, give us those social media links one more time so people can find you guys. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's Armed Gelatinous. Just drop the and. 
and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then our Discord is discord.gg slash blobs online. And uh, yeah, hop in there, say what's up. Uh, we'll throw you a beta key, and you can check out the game on Steam. Awesome. Well, thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Rob, for joining us for episode one of Today in the Scene. Um, you guys can join us again next week. Uh, next week, we'll be interviewing Tony from Deathball. Thanks, guys. Sweet. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Take care. Peace. Cheers. 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 Cheers.